welcome to the pod of never and i'm your host matthew nanez how are you all doing out there um this is the end of week four of the <laughs> of me being inside the house i'm still thankful i have a nine to five um i've been really busy with um my my baby she, she is nuts but she's great um also, I've been busy with uh, music, um, putting some new releases out there, of my own music and other music as well, which I'll have some news coming up pretty soon about that. Um, and also keeping busy with this podcast. It's been a, a really good way to um, just do something a little bit different, um, do something that I've always wanted to do. And I think it's going well. The, the feedback I've gotten from it has been uh, amazing, uh, more than I could ever uh, dreamed of. It's been really in- encouraging. So um, I'm really, actually really excited about this particular episode because I think it's really one of the most uh, personal ones I've had. Um, it's with the CMO of Wooly, uh, Nick Staggy, who you may know from expert voice fame. And also, if you were a skate kid uh, in, in northern Utah, you might have seen him in a Zoomy store. He was there for 10 years. Um, and I think being in a skate store, uh, being surrounded by that culture does inform um, some principles. And we, we actually talk about that quite a bit. But the actual, the, the real personal part here is that um, we talk about my layoff from Expert Voice. It's something I didn't plan on talking about and something I don't talk about often, at least out in the open. But I actually was really happy to because... Um, me and him, we really, uh, we really got off to a, a great friendship uh, working at Expert Voice together, and it's continued um, throughout those past couple years since since then. Um, and another thing that was that's really interesting about the conversation is we talk about people being laid off because um, because of corona, uh, coronavirus, but we also talk about being on the other side of maybe having to lay other people off too. So it's. It was really interesting to get the other side of the coin of that conversation. So um, another thing, I decided to record this during another potential tornado watch. So I think we talk talk about that a little bit. And also we have a small little diatribe about the Utah Jazz. So if you're a Jazz fan, stick around. If not, it still might apply. I don't know. We'll see. So uh, I'm going to talk about some shameless self-promotion. And then we'll get to the interview with Nick Staggy. So for a couple years, I was not using the Swans of Never name to perform around Salt Lake City, Utah. I released a couple EPs under my full name, Matthew Quinn Nanez. But now, Swans of Never is back, and I decided to re-release all the songs that I recorded under the Matthew Quinn Nanez moniker. It's called The Soul Years. It's on Spotify, Apple Music, wherever you get your streaming music. Check it out. Feels so 
we just started. <laughs> um, which is great. But there's something that, that is hard about writing with vulnerability because I think it, you put a word on a paper and it's there forever. And you, you, you have to, you, for me at least, I write and I rewrite and I write and I rewrite and I, I trash it and I start over. And so just by the nature of that sort of refinement process, I think you lose some, some level of, of vulnerability. Um, and when you are on a podcast, you say something and it's not just what you say, it's how you say it. It's in the moment. It, it, it's a little bit more personal. It's a little bit more real. And I, I love, I think that's why I like podcasts uh, because, because you get the sense that you're almost listening into an internal dialogue with, with the person talking. Yeah. Well, like, so you just uh, announced the other day that you're starting one too, right? Yeah, I did. I, I've wanted to for a long time and I've been really, I've been really scared to do it. Um, but, but I just decided uh, I, I need to, I need to do this. If, if no one listens, even if it's just for me, that's fine. And now that said, I'm like, I made the announcement. I'm close to launching. A, I'm building a website. I'm trying to, to build out a, a, a guest planning doc that I send them. That's totally branded and, and clean and like, okay, here's the three things you got to do before uh-huh. the, the, the conversation during post, here's the, the plan for marketing. I mean, it, the marketing side of me comes out and I build this whole go to market plan, but I'm hoping that right. I can just get two people on a call, you know, me and one other person hit record and we just talk just about whatever. Um, so we'll see, we'll see how it all turns out. I'm, I'm nervous, but I, I think people like you are doing really cool things, being transparent and, and real with other people. And I like that. So I'm going to, I'm going to give it a go. I'm going to try. Right. And the funny thing about like podcasts to me, because like I sit on LinkedIn, you know, I don't like for me personally, I don't want to be the kind of guy that like purposely gets a following on LinkedIn. Like that's never been like who I am. That doesn't feel real to me. And I know other people like are meaning like really, really well about it. And so, but when I'm on there and I'm like, I really want to share something. And what you said, like, you know, I'm a writer by trade. I'm sitting there writing. I'm like, this feels weird. So I go back and rewrite again and rewrite, rewrite. And then like by that time I, on the fourth rewrite, I'm just done and I don't hit send. (laughs) Like, like I just feel like doing something like this is far more, it's just far more real. Like you can go on tangents. Like uh, I'm, I'm not here with the script. Like I have a few, few things on a Google doc page, like a few notes that I have that I want to get to, but like overall, I'm down for letting this be whatever, whatever it is, you know. And I feel like podcasts are a great way uh, to do that. Like you can plan all you want, but sometimes like you hear something rad and you just go off <laughs> on a on a tangent. So yeah, my favorite uh, podcasts have those tangents. I think I think they're that's the best part of the podcast. I'll often, oh, for sure. Yeah. 
And I feel like you can tell when something's like really produced and there's definitely um, pros and cons to like having that sort of production, right? In any sort of content, there's pros and cons, like whether you're making like a $10 million commercial or just like an Instagram post. And I feel like podcasts, I feel like, you know, you can definitely do that with podcasts as well. Like either do something straight up from your iPhone, just on, <laughs> on uh, your, I'm having dinner with you and I just set the my iPhone in the middle of the table and hit record and yeah. you're getting all the ambient noise or, or something a little bit more done up. So, yeah, but yeah. yeah. So let's, um, I mean, we, I guess we kind of already started, but, um, but let's get your, let's get your story. Uh, so who are you in, in what do you do? Oh man. I, uh, I'm a 38, almost 39 year old dad and <laughs> I've got four kids. My, my, uh, my smoke show of a wife couldn't keep her hands off me. So we've got four babies and they're, but they're not nice. really babies anymore, man. Like my oldest is turning 16 this year. Oh my gosh. So, so that's wild because I've started teaching her to drive, but it's really scary. Uh, we don't have a car for her yet. And we, we were planning on trying to go get one, but then COVID hit and it's like, okay, well you can, you can practice on, our cars, but my wife drives a suburban. So you get a, a 15 year old kid in a suburban and it's like driving a school bus. <laughs> <laughs> Bad news. Right. And I drive a model three. So I, I'm like, okay, if you push the gas with any sort of force, we're zero to 60. Like you gotta <laughs> slow it down, you know? So it's a little scary, but I've got, uh, yeah. Parker's my 15 year old. I've got Mimi who's 13 and she is uh, this little artistic, um, girly girl tomboy. My favorite picture of her of all time. She's probably like seven. And she was playing t-ball. She hit a home run and she's running the bases. And she's got her t-ball shirt on and her helmet. And then she's got a full-on tutu. And she's like sprinting. Nice. Down. Yeah. So that's Mimi. I have a 10 year old boy named Hendrix who um, legitimately thinks he's the smartest human being to ever walk the, the planet. And he might be. Um, and then that, we, that's a dangerous thing when you have a child who's actually really smart and they know it, dude, it, it's wild because like Parker and Mimi, it's this COVID thing, homeschooling. I, I have so much respect for people who homeschool now, but it's an all day battle to get them to just keep up. This morning, Hendrix woke up and it was just he and his little brother, Theo, who's almost five now. But I could hear him and, and Hendrix, it's probably like 645. And Hendrix goes, Theo, uh, I got to log on to, to my school. I'm going to finish homework by eight. So I have all day to play. They think <laughs> that the homework's going to take long. It's so easy. And <laughs> like, sure enough, he's done by eight o'clock. And he's like, dad, I want to homeschool from now on because like I, I got all day to do whatever I want. So that, yeah. that's kind of funny. But, and then uh, I introduced Theo. He, uh, had he been our first, he'd have been our last. The kid is, <laughs> he's, he's just like, I, I hate to say it, but he's, he is who I was as a child. So I, I fear for the next 15 years of, of being his dad. 
but but really like you know the question who am I? I more than anything that's who I am I'm, I'm a dad I've been married almost uh oh she's gonna kill me 18 years um and then at work you know I'm a guy who's been I, I've had this wild weird ride and I've I've landed in a space where I know that marketing is where I want to be and it's what I want to do. Um, it took me a very long time to figure that out. And and then it yeah. took me a long time to figure out what kind of marketer I want to be. But um, r- today for work, I'm the CMO of a, of a software company and we're, we're building uh, something we call customer commerce. And then I'm a strategic advisor on the board for a company called Vid Army, which is they're they're disrupting the video agency world. So it's it it keeps me busy, keeps me real busy. Yeah, and so one question I've had for a couple of other guests I've had is that uh, sometimes you know what you want to do like very early on, like you're you. Like it's either you have like the artistic bone in your body or you have the business bone or whatever, whatever you you're interested in. Um, Could you recognize that part of yourself like early on that you wanted to market things? Like, were you the kid on uh, selling lemonade on the side of the road? No way, man. I I was the kid throwing rocks at cars driving by. Like I I, I wasn't, (laughs) it just wasn't me. Look, I didn't, I did not officially become, I did not officially join a company on their marketing team until I was 30 years old. So that's, that's, that's awesome to hear. <laughs> let me, let me, let me tell you why, because like when, when you tell me your origin story, like you had your first kid, like I think I did the math in my head, but were you 22? Yeah. yeah like 22, 23, something like that. Yeah. It was we were pretty young. Yeah. And so where I was, I, I kind of started late in my life as far as like getting the big boy jobs, right? I didn't graduate college until I was 24, 25. And uh, dude, I, 30. I was 30 when I graduated yeah. college. So I'm with you. Okay. So I feel like we can go down this yeah. road here then. Please so, do it. Yeah. Okay. So you had seven to eight years, you're having children what were you doing at that time? Like that seven, eight, seven or eight years before you got your first quote unquote big boy job. Like what, what was going on? Well, so here's, here's the, the weird part. Like I started working when I was 14 years old. I, I was the kid who was throwing rocks, but I didn't know what I wanted to do. I knew that I wanted responsibility and, and, and more than that, I knew that I wanted, uh, this sounds so bad. It's not where I'm at now, but I wanted to be the best employee at any company and I wanted to be the boss. Mm-hmm. And my mom always told me like, Hey, if you don't like the job, quit. So by the time I was 18, I'd been working for about four years at this point. I'd had like 70 jobs. I mean, I, I kid you not. I worked at, if I just rattle it off, like I worked at, at Lagoon amusement park, a golf course. I delivered mattresses. I worked at about eight restaurants. I washed cars. I worked at a music store. I did, um, siding. I did framing. I, I, I worked at a, at an oil plant cleaning their shop. I mean, it was, it's insane how many different jobs I've had. And one day 
at one of those jobs, this the music store. This well, we know how old I am, but it was a Sam Goody. I don't even know if they exist anymore. Um, I, don't, I don't. I don't think so. I haven't seen one in ages. Dude, I mean, I know you're a music guy. It was like the it was the coolest job to have as an eighteen. I was seventeen at the time, and uh, I was sitting on the counter. They had an all hands employee meeting. Everyone came out and left the store and the store manager came out five minutes later. I'd only been on the job like two days. She came out bawling. She's like, everyone quit. I don't know what to do. I don't even have an assistant manager to help close the store. I'm going to have to work all day, every day until I hire someone. And I'm like, Michelle, I'll, I'll be your assistant manager. Teach me. She's like, are you kidding me? Done. I'll pay you $311 a week to be my assistant manager. I was a senior in high school. Like, okay, cool. <laughs> so I, I called my best friend who is a, a couple years older than me actually and I was like hey we don't have anyone to work here you want a job you want to come help close the store with me tonight so he and I worked started working together but that started this career of retail it was like three months later I ended up getting a job uh, at Journeys boom I mean like talk about a dream job selling shoes but I was the assistant manager there making commission. And I, I just took pride in, I'm just going to sell so much. I'm going to make more than my store manager. And all of a sudden I saw, like a few months later, I saw across the hall from me, Zoomies was getting built. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's the store I want. I went and I found the district manager in another mall. And I was like, look, I'm 18. I have virtually no experience in retail, but you should hire me as the store manager. We had a four hour interview. I somehow swindled my way in. I got hired as the store manager. Wow. I spent 10, uh, by this time I was like 1920. So maybe my time's a little off, but like I started at Zoomies, I think when I was 19 and I spent a decade there. So I had three kids when I was working at Zoomies and I wasn't a store manager for, for real long. I was a store manager for maybe two years and then I was promoted and I started running multiple stores. And by the end I was running, depending on the year, 30 to $40 million a year in Zoomies up and down the, the Rocky mountains, you know, Idaho, Utah, um, or the Wasatch mountains, Idaho, Utah, Nevada sort of area. Yeah. So I did that. And I just uh, like, Matt, honestly, I thought I'm going to be at Zoomies my whole life. Well, you, you had to have felt comfortable there, right? I did. I, I mean, I had, I had incredible success there for a very long time. And then I, I started getting a little bit older and having kids and it was like, wow, I'm gone on holidays and I'm gone on weekends. I mean, Zoomies is, they're such a good retailer, but they're, they're aggressive, man. Like they, 10 years in, I'm running all these stores and I had to be at my top selling store on Thanksgiving planning and prepping for when we open the doors on Black Friday. And I, it didn't matter. It didn't matter that I was the district manager. They were like, well, you're the best employee that we have in, in your district. You better be at that store driving sales. Hmm. So I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm spending all this time away from my wife and kids. I, I don't want to be... I don't want to do this forever. Um, maybe I'll go to corporate, but I didn't want to move. And corporate was in Washington and I just, I didn't want to move. So I, I decided 
I, I can't do this. I'm going to, I'm going to go try to find a job somewhere else. And it was so, it was scary and it was freaking hard because outside of retail, people hear that you work retail and they just think, mm. oh, you're just some, especially a, a retailer like Zoomies. They're like, oh, you're probably this like stoner, skater, snowboard bro, folding t-shirts and, and picking up chicks. And it's like, actually, no, I'm managing 400 people and 30 or $40 million a year. I, I'm married with kids. Like I'm a lot more stable than you may think, but I yeah. had to fight that reality. And it took almost nine months of me aggressively looking for a job to convince someone to pay me 50% less to come in and prove myself. And I, I legitimately at 30, uh, I had to, I had to, well, no. Yeah. I had to start over. Yeah. And so you're saying that stigma of like the, the skate shop, you had to try really hard to shake that. Yeah, it was. So I, I ended up going to skull candy because I, I realized that zoomies brands were spending all sorts of time and effort selling product into zoomies, but they were just counting on us to sell it to the customer for them. Mm -hmm. So I thought, Oh, I know retail. I'm going to go to local companies that I sell like skull candy. And I'm going to, I'm going to tell them I can build out a, a national or even a global program to help you better interact with your sales associates so they can sell through your product faster. And the guys at skull candy were interested, but they won. They weren't looking for the job. I had to come in and pitch the role to them. And then I had to pitch that I was the guy. And finally they said, well, look, if you, if you want it, it's pretty risky. We don't think it's going to work, but you're, you're relentless. It has some potential. We're going to pay you half that you make now. And we'll give you nine weeks. If in those nine weeks, you can show us promise that this is going to work. You can stay on full time at that half salary and you can start building your program. And I said, okay, I walked away from 10 years just to give that a shot. Wow. It was horrifying. It, well, and it could have not have worked out too, you know, <laughs> like, I think that's one thing people forget that when you take shots like that, you know, there is failure <laughs> sometimes. Yeah, man. It's, it, I didn't get my skull candy was so spectacular and rich Sargente was my SVP of sales. And even then, so I have to like fact check myself. I didn't officially join a, a marketing team until I was like 33. Hmm. So, um, but, but I, cause I was, my SVP at skull candy was on sales. So I was on the sales team, but running a marketing esque type program, he ended up paying nine months later. He was like, you're incredible here. We'll, we'll give you your salary that you were making. So I made it up. But in those nine months, no one at Skull Candy knew I was working second and third jobs after hours. I was leaving work and going straight to night jobs to just try to like keep things up to speed for my family financially. It sucked, man. It was so hard yeah. and it, it was, it was really risky, but I just, I felt like if I don't make this move now, when am I going to make it? If I don't make it now, I'm going to be the guy that bounces from retailer to retailer. And I'm going to, I'm going to end up <coughs> retiring 
uh, with doing nothing else other than retail. So I, I just, I had to accept that I'm likely going to fail, but I'm going to try anyways. And I got really lucky. I got lucky that Skull Candy, it was a success. So it's, it's tell me if I'm totally wrong, but um, it seems like to me, like with all these jobs that you had, especially like as a teenager and up through uh, this point, that you like to prove things to yourself. Would that be correct? Oh my gosh, dude. <laughs> uh, yes. So 100%, I want to, the minute I'm bored with something, it's like, get me out of here. So I, I always want to come in and do something I've never done before. It, I'd never been a store manager when I told the DM at Zoomies, you should hire me as a store manager. I'd never worked for a, a company like Skull Candy. I had no business running a global program. I built a global program for them. Um, when I went to Expert Voice, which is where you and I met, right? That's mm -hmm. where we started working together. I had never officially, I, there was in between Skull Candy and Expert Voice, I was at GoPro for a while, but also running a marketing type role in the sales team. So I'd never been in marketing. And I was interviewing with our uh, SVP of marketing at the time, uh, Inga, for this job. And she asked me some really basic marketing questions. And I specifically remember, I've told her this since, so it's, it's, it's good. I'm not afraid of the story leaking back to Inga. But she asked me, well, what does your CPA at GoPro look like? If you're in marketing, CPA is a really like typical term. It's your cost per acquisition, right? Yeah. We didn't focus on that in my role at, at, at GoPro or at Skullcandy. I legitimately had no idea what that meant. No idea. So freaking lucky that one of her employees tapped on the, the door and said, hey, Inga, I know you're in an interview, but, but I have got like something urgent. It will take three minutes. Can we talk? So Inga's like, hold that question. I'll be right back. Nana's, I, I got on my phone. I Googled it. And when she came back in, I was like, you were asking me about cost per acquisition. It's about this. I totally freaking made it up. <laughs> <laughs> And I was hired as the director of marketing. So <laughs> that's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. I, so I've just learned. I, I just try to figure it out on the job. Right. And what, what I think is so like interesting about folks like you and my, my buddy, Dan, who's a creative director at Adobe is that we're, we're these kids that are come, come through like either like the skate culture or the music culture or whatever else. And we just had to wing a lot of this thing. Like, I think that's really funny. You tell that story because I remember coming to you because I was frustrated about a, a particular brand or how something was being done at uh, expert voice, whatever. And you told me the term KPI and I'm like, I don't know. I remember this. Like I, I totally forgot about this until, until you're talking about this right now. We're in one of the uh, meeting rooms on the second floor. You're drawing things on the board, and you're like, "Yeah, our KPI did it." I'm like, "What the hell is a KPI?" Like in the back of my head, dude. <laughs> and I, like, I feel like it's just these things that we just learn, you know? Because I didn't go to school to be in marketing. Like I was an English major, right? Like. I read a lot of Shakespeare and like can analyze like 
movies and books. You know, <laughs> that's, that's what I learned in college, right? Your degree is far greater than mine. I did business management, which is all about not doing any work and getting other people to do it for you. So I, I feel you. I didn't learn that. and But I think you're on to something here because I think that that like counterculture teaches you that you just figure it out. You, you just go for it. And what mm-hmm. My one of my earliest mentors is named Steve Nigreen. He always said, uh, and and it's an old hip hop quote, but he's like, well, uh, if you don't know, now, you know, you know, he's just quoting Biggie. Like, mm-hmm. if you don't know, now, you know that you don't know. So what are you going to do, Nick? Are you going to sit around and not know anymore? Are you going to go freaking figure it out? Like, go freaking figure it out. Yeah. And, and that totally is that counterculture vibe. It's it's the the. I might not have the the book smart or the the sophisticated education of going to Harvard or MIT, but I'm a problem solver and I'm a people person and I'm relentless and I'm going to just figure it out. And and I think that makes there's something that's pretty cool about that level of of drive and ambition and just kind of like F you to the man. Like you're not getting in my way. I'm going to, I'm going to figure it out. Yeah. And I think that's I, I think thing that's about, part of what oh, go ahead. bonded us together. Sorry. I was just, I was just gonna say, I think that's part of what bonded us together. Cause, cause I feel like you, you have that and it, it inspires me to, to like, okay, well, what else don't I know? Cause I want to go figure that out now. For sure. Like, I feel like where I do my best is where I have the freedom to do that, where I have the freedom to knock on your door. Uh, like, for instance, like I really had no business like coming up to you and be like, hey, like, what's up? Like as far as like a typical hierarchy. Right. Um, in some some places I've been disc- I've been discouraged not to talk to someone three or four like places ahead of me. Right. As far as Whoever discourages that is a jackass. Like, <laughs> like if you're on, if you're listening to this podcast and you're that guy, just just push stop right now because you're a jackass. That's so tough. <laughs> Positions, <laughs> titles mean nothing. The the sort of things I've learned from interns has been greater than some of the things I've learned from executives and board members that I've interacted with. So like. What I, I'm sorry, but what garbage! I'm so glad that we <laughs> that we didn't abide by that ridiculous sort of behavior, and that we just became friends and confidants, and that we could work together on things. Because I think it made it it certainly made me better it, interacting with you and and learning from you. Uh, I lo- I loved it. So sorry to interrupt. I just had I like I'll get off my high horse there, but no, I, I love that, and I think like. Uh, my, my hope is uh, whoever's like listening to this or whatever, like I hope like there's some like 24, 25 year old person that, that listens to this and there might be struggling in their, in their position or like wondering how to, not so much like how to get in front of like a VP, but it's like, sometimes you have questions and sometimes like you want to strike up a conversation because like, I think what started with us really is like Utah jazz <laughs> basketball. And then it just kind of went went on from there, right? I am so and, worried about the Utah Jazz right now. Oh man, you gotta hope <laughs> to get it back together. <laughs> well, like as far as like 
basketball in general. As far as just like chemistry between Gobert and Mitchell, we're we're rat holing now, but it, I'm worried about it, man. As a as a diehard, I'm worried about it. I think they're I think they're good kids. They'll figure it out. I hope so. I hope so. But like I, I don't know. I just I just kind of hope that someone like has that sort of gusto, right? To to knock on someone's door with a uh, not so much like with a complaint because like. I feel like when I came to you with my concerns, I actually, like, I didn't have a deck, you know, we were just having a conversation about like how I felt like a certain program needed to work out in order to be successful. And then you gave me some knowledge that you had about what was going on that really helped me figure out like, okay, this is why whatever ideas I had uh, probably couldn't work out, but who's to say that it couldn't, you know? And, and I would love to say that that project worked out. Uh, a, it, it didn't <laughs> because from other other things going on uh, within that company. But it was still great to have that experience to, to be able to spend like 30, 40 minutes and go back and forth with, with ideas and get excited in, in a meeting room, right? So I really appreciated that. Me too, man. And look, that's why I think I like marketing because those conversations, the the creative brainstorming, throwing a bunch of spaghetti at the wall and seeing what sticks and what doesn't, those are the things that excite me. I, I am not someone who wants to just do the same thing over and over. It's, it's partly why I would be a terrible uh, kind of paid media marketer. I, I don't, I don't run paid media. I, I'm proud to say that as a CMO, I've never run a paid me, paid uh, ad campaign. I don't even know how to run one on Facebook. I have no intention <laughs> of learning how to do one. I recognize the value in it and I will hire the best freaking people I can and I will do everything I can to put them on a pedestal and, and ensure that they're set up for success and can grow. But like, that's just not me because I'm not the guy that's like, okay, well, I got to I got to eke out an extra percent on this next ad. I've got to do like, I want to swing big. Um, and so those conversations that we had, I'm, I'm pretty confident. I walked out. I, Cause I remember that meeting still to this day. And I, I I'm confident that I walked out of there way more hyped on it than you, than you likely did. That's good to know. <laughs> well, like it's a, it's not so much like you, like try to discourage me about it either though. Cause I think I was still pretty excited about it up until uh, I believe it was layoffs that, that happened. Right. And I was a part of those, but like, like the ball was still moving. Right. Yeah. It wasn't so much. It was a, a failure. There was other forces beyond our control that, you know, got that project off the rail. Um, you know, and I'm just going to say it, it was with uh, the Dario. And so that was like a dream. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that was a dream thing for me because I'm a musician and that was like finally something that I was really interested in that I could bring that love to. And so, but I'm just proud that I was able to be so hands-on with it and have those conversations with you and with a sales team. And and I, I felt like I was really a part of something. And that was really like like what you're saying. It's It was just really excited exciting to just to be excited with other people, really. And I think that's what makes this fun. 
if you're, if you're doing it right, in my opinion. Well, and your passion for that was just so tangible. And so it, I think your passion kind of led other people, you know, let, let's not create a cool idea. Let's create something that is, is spectacular. And let's just keep pushing ourselves and pushing ourselves. And you're right. It, it sucks because something that I think had so much potential and was so good never came to fruition. And, and I don't know how much you know about this. It, it's a, it's a bit of a wild story, but they, they were going to be one of our top paying clients. They'd agreed to it. And mm. the executive team sat down as a group and said, we just don't know that the category that they're in is a category that we can, that we can support and deliver solid results on. We're going to, we're going to walk away from that contract. We're, we're not going to invoice them for anything. And we're going to tell them that we're out. And they made that decision almost in lockstep with our finances are in a position where we have to uh, downsize the company and make layoffs. I like how crazy is, is, and I'm not saying it was, a, it was a bad decision, but it like, what a wild decision to make. And, and in some ways you think, boy, that's pretty cool that they, were so committed to doing right by their, their client that they, they were open enough to say, we don't think that we can deliver the results that you need. So you're out. But then when you pair that with, Oh my gosh, there's also layoffs that are happening and this cash could have come in and really helped. (laughs) Like you're like, wait, what, what's happening? Business is just tough. You know, there's not, there's not always a wrong or a right answer. And it sucks so bad because there were really, really incredible people that were directly impacted in that layoff, yourself included. And that, that's, that's a hard thing to, to swallow. And to, I wasn't on the exec team at that time. And I, I don't say that to like pass the responsibility off. Right. But like, right. cause I know it was gut wrenching for him, but you, you got that. I got that news from him and I'm like, wait, what are, are we for reals? We, we couldn't have have doubled down to help them achieve those goals and still maintain a solid contract, you know, like, wow. Okay. And, and when you're not in the room making the decision, you think, well, that answer is so easy. Take the money, figure it out for them. Even if it only saves mm-hmm. one person, like do that. But, but I'm, I'm learning that when you're, when you're, in the thick of it and you're you're faced with those decisions there's very often a, a clear right or wrong and so you, you got to do what seems best at the time and then you you got to go be a human with the people that are that are affected by those decisions right and even with the how COVID-19 has really affected uh, companies. So uh, I think it really started about like a week and a week and a half ago where I was on LinkedIn and I see so many people, uh, of, of course, like my sphere of influence is like Utah, right? But it's really nationwide that people were getting laid off from their jobs, right? And oh my God. you can, yeah. yeah, like you can make assumptions about, uh, companies, right? Like what can you, uh, surely there's something that could have been done to prevent 
this layoff like but you really don't know the situation and i remember hearing about that conversation about uh, dropping uh the dario and i couldn't i couldn't i couldn't of course like there's a part of me was like well i could have i could have done something to help it but there's also something interesting within that where if you know you can't do well by the client, you're, that's actually the better idea. Because sometimes you can just take a swing and hope for the best like you did <laughs> with, with Skull Candy, right? And, and it works out. But what if it what if it doesn't? You know, you just kind of have to make a call. Yeah. Dude, I, I will say this. There are tough calls to be made. I have good friends leading businesses and they've made – uh, the decision to let four or five employees go. And it, it's a decision that it's gut-wrenching for them. It keeps them up at night. They, they've contacted me like, oh my gosh. And, and I, have to, I have to lead with, with these two things. One, I say, what you're feeling is real. I'm sorry that you're feeling that. That is no fun. Two, as bad as I feel for you, let's not forget that those people don't have a job. So instead of feeling bad for, for yourself, what are you doing to help them find a job? How are you helping them connect, you know, meet people? I get that you had you had to make a tough decision and that sucks, but you made it. Now mm-hmm. try to make it work for those people and, and try to do right by them. And and and, and in some ways, you know, it's like a little bit of a slap across the face to him. I had one guy that one friend that was like, dude, that 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 wasn't all that cool. And he we kind of hung up angry at each other. And he called me back a day later and he was like, I needed to hear that. Thanks. Um, and, mm-hmm. and look, I don't fault them for making that decision. But I, I also feel really lucky that the two companies I work with, Scott Paul, the founder of Wooly, where I work, he he dropped his salary to zero and he said, I, I'm not going to let anybody go right now. There's other things that we can do. And the executive team, myself included, took a huge pay cut. Now, so did other people in the company, but the message was, we're going to take this pay cut. Everyone still gets paid. And when we get through COVID, we'll, we'll resurface the existing salaries, right? Like yeah. to me, what a, what a, what a moment of being a team player and, and being a leader for Scott to do something like that. And, and the VidArmy guys, the three co-founders of VidArmy, they haven't touched anyone's salary, but none of them are making money during COVID. They've, they've completely eliminated their, their personal salaries so they didn't have to have a tough conversation or put their employees in a tough spot. The, the sort of things that you're seeing people do, all three of those scenarios – very different, right? Like we're going to let people go and keep everyone at full salary. We're going to remove one person's salary all the way and then cut everyone else's significantly. Or the three co-founders are just going at zero for a while. They're all, they're all trying to address the same thing. They've made different decisions and who's to say that one is right and one is wrong. They're doing their best. They're, they're trying to make that work. Now, the only thing I would push is, whatever position you, your employees are in, it's not that you've put them in it, right? No one, no mm-hmm. one like intentionally spread COVID. I don't believe so. 
but it's a reality. And so now just like try to help them find jobs. I'm shocked that I'm seeing people lose jobs and a week later they're like, I got, I got hired somewhere. Like people are still hiring. We can help people still get yeah. jobs. Yeah. Cause like you hear on the news, like a quarter of the economy is tanked. Right. I think I read, I've been reading too much news lately, but I did read that somewhere, but like, and I do hear about like hiring freezes, uh, across across the country and in utah but like you're you're right people are still still hiring um and i think either that's a testament to that company i i i think that's what i would think right like they set themselves up in a position where they're not flinching and they're still confident or they're they're taking a shot which i think is i think you're able to see those companies not so much separate themselves for those who, who aren't able because people have their reasons, like you said, like to hire or, or not to hire. But like, I think that should give some people hope at least. Right. Like, so for the person that got laid off, right. Like what's the one thing that you would tell them to do during this time? I, I don't know. I mean, Who's, who's to say really, look, you and I have both been included in in layoffs and what did anybody say that really changed something? Probably not a lot, but that's not to say that, that everyone who reached out and, and showed empathy and support didn't help lift you up. So it's, it's this weird thing. It was nice for the second that you're being thought of and then it's gone. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's so hard, man. So none of us have been through this exact thing. I I don't know what I'd tell them. I'd tell them that I'm sorry. I'd tell them that that I'm I'm there to listen if they want to talk. And that if they um, need help, that I'm I'm there to help. Now, I I will say... uh, when, when I was in a position where I was looking for a job, I started by just saying, Hey, Hey, Nanas, if you know of anything, will you keep your eyes open for me? Right? Like I'm not mm. doing you a lot of favors helping me, but so that wasn't working for me. So then I started doing research before I would reach out to you. And then I'd reach out and I'd be like, Hey, it looks like you're connected to these three people on LinkedIn that I'm interested in, in talking with what's your relationship like with them? Would you be willing to make an introduction to me? And if those three maybe don't pan out, or even if they do, the type of role that I'm looking for and the type of company I'm looking for are this. Do you have any companies that, that or people that, that come to mind that maybe I could reach out to? Right? Like all of a sudden I've given you, yes, I can, or no, I can't help. But, but it's a black mm. or white as opposed to, Hey, just keep your eyes open, man. If you hear something, let let me know. Like, well, okay. I I don't really know how to help. So maybe my advice to those people is be specific with what you want each person to do for you. Because I think if you, if you are specific, they will do it. Mm -hmm. Especially if you, if you name names as well, just like, like you said, and who knows that could be the person sitting next to you 
They're like, oh yeah, like I can throw something at their head right now and get their attention and talk about them right now. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I think yeah, that's that's a really interesting thing about this uh, situation right now. With so many people losing their jobs, or maybe taking the time to use this COVID nineteen situation to pivot their their career, right? Um, and so, I think that in itself is is pretty. I don't know if it is pretty risky. I was about to say it is pretty risky, but like if like sometimes I feel that there could be some guilt of wanting to pivot in your career right now. when so, so many people don't have jobs. Um, do you, do you feel like you're seeing that within your peers right now that, you know, this is changing the game for them and, and they're wanting to make a, a different move or is it just kind of business as usual? I mean, it is a weird time, but do you, do you feel like people are wanting to change certain things up in their, in their lives and their, their careers? Man, I, I think, and I, I could be wrong, but I think right now, anyone who most people, that's probably, again, this is, this is, I'm painting with a broad brush here and I might be oh, an yeah. idiot for, for thinking this, but I think most people who have a job right now are thinking, I just need to hang on for dear friggin' life. Like get me through this and then I can make the pivot. But I don't, I don't think people are thinking I'm going to, I'm going to explore other things. I'm going to, I'm going to make this risk. Like it's so extra risky because you don't know how long it's going to be there. Now the people that have already been smacked with, with a, a bad hand and like, Hey, you're, we don't have a position for you anymore. And it, it legitimately isn't because of you. It's because of a global pandemic. We're sorry. I think those people are really reevaluating and saying, okay, well, what is it that I want? What is it that I'm willing to do? Mm-hmm. And they are, are using this opportunity maybe to, I, I would hope to go chase their passion. And the other side mm-hmm. of it is like, not to bring it back to my podcast, but I, I've wanted to do that for a long time. And I've never, I just haven't been willing to take that leap of faith and COVID-19 like, dude, I get it. There are more people starting website, uh, podcasts every day than there were people starting websites in the dot-com era. Like the, the very, very small percentage make cash on these things. They're passion projects. Mm -hmm. But I'm gonna try. I, I'm gonna tr- I'm gonna try to launch my podcast because it is a passion. Because it is something that that almost serves as a as a moment of relief for me. I mean, you and I are recording this. You have a tornado coming. Um, <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> I I have my wife and kids out out in the family room, uh, or out on the back deck with a fire, and and we're here. Why? It's because it's a it's a relief. It's it's um, staying connected. It, there's something about this. So I would say you, you can you don't necessarily have to pivot, but you should use this time or you could is a better way of saying you could use this time to go to go chase your passion. Maybe that's a podcast, maybe it's a blog, maybe it's stop motion video, maybe it's uh, becoming a, a better gamer. I don't like whatever, right? It doesn't matter. But but maybe people are taking more time to chase those passions now because 
they have less distractions outside of home, but they need something to distract them from the reality of this pandemic. Mm -hmm. And you kind of mentioned it before, and this, this will be the, the last question before I, 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 I go go for cover and you go hang out with your family. Yeah, I'm worried about it. I, I don't know if like you've, you've boarded up your windows, if it's that serious. I mean, for the record, for those of you that didn't hear the, the, I think he's cutting this out, but I told him we could reschedule. He said, no, I, I was happy to reschedule. <laughs> well, I thought I did, I did think about it, but like I actually uh, was looking. So I, whenever this happens, I look at the severe weather Nashville Twitter and, uh, and I kind of take it like a minute by minute. <laughs> and, uh, so I'm going to leave this in because this is live. We'll do it live. Um, I'm seeing there's no tornado warning at this time for the storm that's going through right now, but I still have another hour and a half to, to, <laughs> to see what's going on to plan so, for it to board up right to really plan for it it's really exciting with water you know the basics yeah we have a backpack ready to go Good so yeah <laughs> so last question you 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 did uh allude to this before about like making those connections at the companies that you want to work at right uh so LinkedIn is a really great tool. And as much crap I give LinkedIn sometimes on this podcast so far, there there are some big uh, benefits to being on there, right? And you're on there quite a, quite a bit. I see you commenting. I see you posting. Um, and it's all it's 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 never uh, trite, right? Like you always bring value. And so, wow, thank you. Can we make sure I, I, I think so. of that? Jeez. <laughs> well, at least, you know, sometimes like in comments, you can joke and cut up. Right. But as far as like the things you put out there on, on like the, the timelines, right. Like it's, yeah, I always feel like it's full of value, especially what, uh, from a personal point of view, uh, you talked about depression and then in the past, like three months or so, I I've been definitely struggling with that. I think I might've commented it on myself. So that was, that was, had big value to me. Right. And so during this time, like, what are some things that people can get out of LinkedIn? Um, like, what what do you think should be their strategy if they're if they're pivoting or going towards their passion? Yeah. So I, maybe I'll maybe I'll just do a quick uh, tangent because you told me you like that. But the <laughs> when I was at Zoomies, even Skull Candy, and even GoPro there were times where I'd go to like, you know, my local movie theater or whatever. And people would be like, it's the zoomies guy. Dude, I freaking hated it. And it's not that I wasn't proud of where I worked. I was super proud of where I worked, but I wanted people to just know me for me. Right. I, I'm a rock star. Like I've, I've been that kid where seeing certain people at the mall, like over and over, like you've become like almost like a staple, like a cultural staple in people's lives. Yeah, and 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 I appreciated the the friendships and the relationships I had, but but I wanted people to just be like Nick, what's up? You know, not it's the Zoomies guy. Uh, so I I started LinkedIn as cheesy and cliche as it sounds, just to to show that before any place I work, this is who I am. This is me as a as a human being, 
And that takes time. I'm not chasing followers. I'm not constantly like adding re- connection requests. I'm not playing that game. Um, mm-hmm. It's taken me real time to slowly, organically build an, an, an audience. And, and they're not even audiences. They're, they're people that I'm connected with. Like I'm, I'm literally talking now with a new connection named Sue about teaching each other our language. And, and like, I'll teach him English and he'll teach me his native language. So there's some cool things that are, that happen that way. And it, it, it takes time and effort. I think the key is number one, be yourself on LinkedIn. Don't try to sell. Don't try to, don't try to project yourself as someone that you're not just, just be you and and let it ride. And, and if people don't like it, it, those aren't the people you want to be connected with anyways. The Mm -hmm. second piece of advice I would give is don't, don't give up. Don't expect that your first post is going to get 10 likes and a hundred views. Don't expect that after two months, you're going to get a post with 10,000 likes and a hundred thousand views like that. That's the wrong metric. You need to look at what sort of conversations am I having with, with people? What sort of uh, relationships am I building and how am I putting out my own personal brand? And it just freaking takes time. It takes time to be consistent, to be yourself and, and to connect with people. And if you want to say dudes and dudettes in your post, which uh, I did yesterday, um, then say it like who gives a crap, right? We all wake up in the morning and, and put our sweatpants on one leg at a time. Cause I'm not wearing jeans anymore. I've, I've thrown them away. I've, I've realized it's ridiculous that we put sandpaper on our body every, every day. I'm, I'm sweats for life now, but, but I think, I think that's the key with, with LinkedIn because then you start building those relationships and you start connecting with people. And it's not about likes and engagement. It's about relationships. And then when you need something, those relationships come, they, they rally around you. They form like Voltron and it's, it's awesome. LinkedIn is the only platform. It's the only social media platform that serves as a multiplier to your voice as opposed to a divider. Hmm. Right. Unless, unless you're the kind of person that brings like their like Facebook political views to LinkedIn and then God bless you, I guess. Yeah. Look, like <laughs> that might be your brand and, and good for you. You can connect with someone else. Cause I don't want to hear it, but, but yeah. no, no shame. Like, it's just not me. That's just not someone I want to connect with. Um, right. But, but, there are probably people out there that want to do that. Um, yeah. I just, I, I, that's not my bag. Yeah, for sure. Well, well, Nick, uh, thank you so much. It, it was so great to talk to you and, and get your story. I, I, I've always, I've always known a little bit of your story, but really this is just an excuse to a catch up, b learn more about you because we've known each other for a while, but there's only so much you can know about someone like at every, you know, when you're, when you're at work with, with them. So, uh, I, I think a lot of things you said today are definitely really helpful for, for folks who, who either, uh, are trying to do whatever it takes to make, 
that next step or either they got laid off and they're trying to figure out what their passions are or just navigating, you know, just business in general. And just, uh, I feel like with marketing, especially there is this facade of having everything together. Right. Um, and so with people like us who've come from a different, just from a different culture, really, whether it be like retail skate shops or being in a band or running record stores, like I did as well. Like I was at a, a manager of a record store. I think Wait, there's... Wait, was it Grey Whale by, by chance? I, yes. So you you I, were like homies with Dustin Olson. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, he, he, so you knew he, Dustin Olson. <laughs> yeah, so... So my, my story at Graywell was re- really interesting because it was like summer jobs. Like, so I, like you, like I, I would have a job and then I'd have like another job to supplement my income just to try and make rent yeah. for my family. Right. And so for a couple summers, I was brought into a store as, a, as an assistant manager. And I remember one thing had happened. Like one guy was trying to bring in uh, a game console and try to trade it at Taylorsville. And then he came to my store and something wrong happened with the transaction to make my potentially make my till a hundred bucks off. But I found a loophole within the POS system that made it okay. Apparently I wasn't supposed to know how to do that. (laughs) I'm just on a phone with him and apparently I did something wrong going back there but he's like well we'll try this i'm like oh i did he's like oh i don't know if you were supposed to know how to do that but good job okay (laughs) (laughs) so he was definitely like this figure you know yeah Yeah, i mean he's been he i think i think i think he's still there he's he's just like a diehard we he worked at zoomies for a while the other guy that was at uh graywell that i became really good friends with was ben Grimm or ben not Ben Graham, Ben. Um, oh, dude, I feel so. Was bad. he at the main store? He was in Logan for a while, and then I think. Oh was... yes, Habishman. Kind of like tall, skinny kid. Um, yeah, did... he ended up dying. Oh, okay. Oh, wow. Okay, then it's not the same same person I'm thinking of because I did know a Ben. Man, I, I feel so bad that I lost his name because I love that dude. He yeah. went home one day and was doing uh, laundry and at his dad's house and fell asleep on the couch, and there was a gas leak. He never woke up. Man. Sad days, man. There were there were good people that came from Graywell. A lot of good Graywell folks. I still know quite quite a bit of them. So, yeah. well, but dude, all, all that all that is to say that like I, I think we come from different cloths. Um, than maybe some people in in our world, and I think it's important to, to share these stories. That where there can be people like us who were been in retail for four or five years that can <laughs> quote unquote make it right. Yeah. So, well, I, I appreciate your time, and, and thank you so much. Likewise, man, I appreciate it. Make sure that you guys uh, board up, stay safe. I don't know if you heard the thunder clap, but it's. There's it some stuff real. going up. It sounds real. <laughs> Storms are different here, man. Oh, goodness. All right. Well, go take care of your family. It's good to talk to you again. Will do. See ya.